Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Puma Podcast. Wala po sir, wala po dahilan dahil kasi po natutulong nga po kami yung wala po kaming alam. Pila na lang kami pinasok na tinangay na lang kami. Wala naman kaming ano, aso. Tinangay nila kami. This is the voice of a certain Michael, arrested in line with the Philippine government's campaign against illegal drugs. He's complaining of a warrantless search and then his warrantless arrest. Police, he said, simply barged into their homes in Manila, took him and a handful of his neighbors to the station. But this was not under President Rodrigo Duterte's presidency. No, this was from a report from 1997, two full decades before Duterte's war on drugs. Hello, ako po si Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast. At ako po si Gideon Lasco, author of Drugs and Philippine Society. This is episode 3, season 2 of Tukhang sa Tukhang. In its brutality and brazenness, Duterte's campaign was without question the war on drugs. But in this episode of Tokhang sa Tokhang, we take time to consider this fact. Tokhang was also plainly a war on drugs, one of many that have been waged by many administrations prior to Duterte, but each questionable in their methods and disregard for rule of law, and each troubling for their framing and justification for desperate, hard-fisted tactics. Hindi pwede uh, ang bail, hindi pwede yung uh, malabas sila. That's Chofisto Gingona, the former senator allied with the late president and democracy icon Cory Aquino. Gingona also served as vice president when Gloria Macapagal Arroyo took over the presidency from Joseph Estrada. Here he was speaking as justice secretary for President Fidel V. Ramos. This operation is the start of total war against illegal drugs. A total war on drugs has been a phrase used by various administrations to signal a ramping up of campaigns and signaling a loosening of rules if need be. Gingona, then as Justice Secretary, was on this occasion speaking at a press conference. Next to him, as then DILG Secretary, was Robert Barbers, a former police officer, once head of the National Bureau of Investigation. With uh, what he's doing in Manila, I'm supporting it. As long as uh, 
the houses that are being painted are really houses of confirmed pushers, especially uh, these pushers who have pending cases in court. Barbers was with Gingona on this day in 1997 to express support for this total war on drugs, specifically being waged out of Manila. That war was being led by former top cop and then Manila Mayor Alfredo Lim, who had by then embraced the nickname Dirty Harry. It was in that same campaign that Michael was arrested without warrant. Mayor Lim had embraced the controversy and threatened lawsuits against his tactics. In 1997, Lim particularly became notorious when he went around Manila with police, personally spray-painting the houses of drug suspects, marking them for entire communities to see and avoid, if not to tag the people living in them, as people to shun. Alam mo, yung spray painting na inumpisaan namin dito nung Pwersing Gombeo, that was the most successful operation against drug dealers. Dahil nung ginawa namin yun, we were covered by media. Siyempre, mga tao, nung makita ka, eh, naglabasan. O, ano yung gagawin? Nangita nila, nilalagyan namin. Beware. Uh, uh, in this house, uh, lives so-and-so. Who have been arrested and charged for uh, drug uh, offenses. Yun lang naman eh. The tone, language, and message is all too familiar, even to Filipinos who have little to no memory of Fred Lim as mayor of Manila. The dismissal, the mocking of due process, the flouting of the law, daring the system to stand in the way of justice. Duterte is the instant reference for these among Filipinos today. Alam mo, pag nilagay namin yun, ginagabihan. Eh, nag-i-evacuate eh. Ginabukasan, wala niya. Tsaka ang tao ngayon, uh, nagkaroon ng lakas ng doob na i-expose kung sino mga drug poser sa doob nila. In six months' time, nandiyanin siya ang Manila. In the late 1990s, Dirty Harry was the most prominent icon for this unapologetically unbridled brand of leadership. Even though in truth, in Davao from 1992 to 1998, Rodrigo Duterte's mayorship overlapped with Lim's first round as chief executive of Manila. There was already around that time rumors and allegations of a Davao death squad attributed to Mayor Duterte, and that would be the subject of investigations by the Commission on Human Rights and the Justice Department under Leila de Lima. Lim also used the same language as Duterte, not only to defend his campaign and style, but to go on the offensive, to denigrate and undermine the cause of human rights advocates. Kaya lang, ang problema, uh, mayroong mga do-gooders dyan, eh, binabiolate daw namin yung human, human rights ng drug poser. Bad daw kinukundi na namin uh-huh. na why is he convicted without trial? Pwede well, ka muna, hindi naman namin kinukumbik eh. Uh-huh. Kinasabi lang namin, na-arresto ito uh-huh. at patuloy itong nagbebenta ng drug uh-huh. and now he has been charged properly. Uh-huh. Based ito sa police record. And then there was the continuing dehumanization of suspects. The mayors likened their targets to lesser beings. Kinasabi nilang masama yan. Hindi ba kung may mga aso tayo, mabagsik yung aso. Walalagay mo, beware of dogs. Para yung dumadaan, mag-ingat. Baka, nagkat ka masakmal ng aso eh. PM sabihin, winawardingan mo lang tao. Gideon, I think some young people will listen to this and they have no memory of Mayor Lim. In fact, Mayor Lim, after becoming mayor, eventually then became secretary of the ILG. If you ask people, not just young people, but 
many Filipinos have forgotten all about these events, Arab time, and also GMA. She also had her own drug war. And guess who she got as her advisor for the anti-drug campaign in 2002? Duterte. There were news items about it that he was being appointed as like an anti-drugs mm. campaign uh, advisor. And at that time, may notoriety na si Duterte. So Inquirer was hosting this talk of the town where they were just asking readers to submit what they thought. And there was a talk of the town devoted to the issue of drugs around the time the GMA wanted this whole drug war. And back then, Thaksin Shinawatra in Thailand was doing this bloody drug war. And mm. people were thinking about it. People were talking about it. Should we do it as well? Some readers were saying that we should actually be inspired by the Davao model. It's not mm. enough to mm. jail them. Dapat patayin na lang. Mm. These were their language of not politicians, but people at the time. I, I think it's no coincidence, diba, that every time then merong total war on drugs, or for that matter, total war on crime, this is also a time when umaangat din ulit yung conversation and proposals among politicians to revive the death penalty. I was just looking at bills filed in the previous Congress. Mm-hmm. And maraming mga bills na na-file that they're really calling for even tougher mm-hmm. penalties for drug offenses, including... The All the way to death. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But I think the point is that whoever started it or however it started, this framing of a war on drugs, an all-out war, and instant justice, it's been there for a long time throughout many administrations and particularly through many politicians. And if we read newspapers in the 90s, in the 80s, all the way back to the 70s, and maybe even before, andyan yung drugs as a moral evil in society as it's being portrayed by politicians and even radio hosts. And every time there's a case of rape or a case of kidnapping or anything that scandalized the community at the time, the country at the time, the radio hosts would speculate without evidence that ako, malamang addict yung gumawa niyan kasi mm-hmm. mga addict lang yung kayang gumawa ng ganyang karumaldumal na krimen. Pero, Gideon, Duterte became president. Mm-hmm. Lim became mayor and si Barbers din naging, naging senator. Si Taksin became arguably one of the most powerful prime ministers in Thailand notwithstanding the progress that has taken place in Latin America, politicians still keep invoking war on drugs and that they will bring it back as well. And, you know, these are not just campaign lines. These people won on their platforms. What does that say about the acceptance and popularity of that approach? What does that say about the voters, about the people? They loved it. They supported it. And this is Supported as well by surveys that show support for Duterte. Duterte, even till the end of his term, remained popular. The anti-drug campaign remained popular. People expressed misgivings about the killings, as they should. But the being tough on drugs, being punitive, being very, very aggressive, people loved it. People supported it. And on the flip side, drugs can help build political careers. And another familiar trope na hindi lang nangyari during the time of Duterte, that drugs were used as an accusation 
to other politicians to bring them down naman. We have also been seeing it from decades past. Ping Lakson, he even had to go on hiding. There were drug charges. It was mm-hmm. uh, headlines in different newspapers. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Leila Dilima. Mm-hmm. Without evidence, clearly a political prisoner. But a political prisoner that really was framed not by charges of subversion, of rebellion, or sedition. It was really completely framed around just mentioning her name in the same breath as uh, convicted drug peddlers. And in the same way that being tough on drugs is associated with popularity, winning elections... We've seen people who've been associated with drugs see their popularity plummet. I guess what that really surfaces is, look, there's popular acceptance of this war on drugs. The question is, how did that acceptance come to be? But we'll get to that later. Because beyond the question of acceptability and popularity, the reality is that drugs have been used throughout Philippine history to frame or to tie to other, quote-unquote, enemies of the state. Ferdinand Marcos Sr., for example, was most associated, apart from, of course, corruption and plunder, with invoking the communist threat to curtail human rights and declare martial law. But thinned out by his dictatorship and thievery, Marcos also built up the drug menace. Marcos also used the threat of drugs to conflate drug addiction and drug use with criminality and terrorism and everything from activism to communism. With such narratives, the blurring and muddling of lines between any and all perceived or even manufactured social threat, he then enabled himself to wage the heavy-handed populist campaigns that also conveniently were used to intimidate, isolate, or directly silence their critics. Consider the case of Liliosa Hilao. On April 7, 1973, half a year into Marcos' martial law regime, the body of the 21-year-old student journalist was turned over to her family days after she was tortured by the military in her home. Dalawang linggo na lang gagraduate na ako noon nang may mga lasing na konstrabularyo ang pumasok sa bahay. She bore signs of torture. What you're hearing in the background, this is an actor giving voice to details from Liliosa's autopsy. This was a video commissioned by the Campaign Against the Return of the Marcoses to Balacanang, or Karma. Again, this is an actor. But the details are based on police reports, autopsies, and accounts of her family who received and identified her remains. Nakitang mahiwa ang leeg ko, pababa hanggang ari ko. Ang utak ko, nakitang nakasilid sa sikmura ko. Her skirt was bloodied and torn. Her underwear was missing. Her entire torso was bandaged. An autopsy at the V. Luna Hospital found her face, especially her mouth, scorched by muriatic acid. Kababad sa muriatic ko. Her neck and throat were burned. Her eyes and mouth were wide open. Sayang. Hindi na ako nakaabot sa graduation ko. And then, there were insiders who reported hypodermic needles 
had been deliberately jabbed into her arms. Why would they do that? To paint her as an addict. Because drugs have been conflated with crime, terrorism, and at that time, communism. Here is the late President Marcos doing precisely that. In the eight short years of the new society, we have disarmed the criminal syndicate and significantly diffused the dangers of subversion, sedition, rebellion, and cessation. Just as it is today, it was one final brutal touch to make this murder seem to be justified or even acceptable. In his State of the Nation address in 1972, Marcos railed against the Communist Party of the Philippines, Maoist uprisings, corruption in our police agencies, the bloody conflicts between Christians and Muslims in Mindanao. But then he also sounded the alarm on, quote, the rise in the consumption of drugs and pornography. He said, quote, drug addiction has aggravated the peace and order problem. Drugs constitute a threat to the fabric of morality, which is indispensable to the preservation of public order. From morality to public order to existential threats to the state. Three decades after Marcos, through national and local leaders like Lim and other notorious governors and mayors, Duterte brought everything home with a bluntness unmatched by even the toughest talking cops. In one of the most bizarre scenes throughout his presidency, Duterte addressed Boy Scouts, first to fourth grade schoolers, seven to ten years old. He ranted not about pushers, but addicts. The youngest children in his audience were swinging their feet in the Malacanang chairs, too big for them to reach the floor. Meron bang addicts sa inyo? Nakita mo? Ah, Meron nakita? Yung mga sabog? Ah. Yung mga yan, walang ginawa kasi walang disiplina. Kayong mga drug addict, total na identified na rin kayo. Avoid the streets. Magkulong kayo sa bahay ninyo. Kasi pag nadampot ko kayo, tatapon ko kayo dyan sa Manila Bay. Alam mo, Gideon, Yung eksenang to, it was kakaiba. We are still fresh out of the term of President Duterte. But watching this scene in Malacanang, na si Duterte speaking that language, it just brings you back. And then to see him speaking to children this way, na papatay ako, papatayin ko talaga sila para sa inyo. Diba? It, <laughs> I'm just wondering, how have other populist leaders like Taksin and the leaders in Latin America, how have they made that connection with their people? Yung eksena na to is bizarre, but it's very typical of Duterte and entertaining, very actually compelling in some way that you, you can see how he performs his sincerity, is doing it out of love for country, out of love for children, and that's a very common trope as well. Sa ating bansa, from the time of uh, the dictator Marcos onwards, we see how people are always saying that they're doing this in the name of the youth. So they conflate drugs with whatever is convenient and whatever appeals to the public. You, you keep saying, and you've said it, I think, two or three times already here, since the time of Marcos or since the time of the dictatorship, from the 1970s onwards. But 
itong mga dinidescribe natin, did it actually predate Marcos? This conflation of drugs with so many of these things. In a way, yes, it goes all the way back to the American colonial period and even the Spanish colonial period. Uh, they were talking about opium, of course. And one of the bishops, I believe Presbyterian Bishop Reverend Charles Brent, who was an American who was stationed in Manila, he was one of the people responsible for a global drug control regime in the early 20th century. But I keep going back to Marcos because... It was during his time when institutions were created that highlighted drugs as a problem. Dangerous Drugs Board, 1972. Dangerous Drugs Act, also, 1972. These laws institutions significantly raised the profile of drugs. It increased the penalties for drug offenses in Dangerous Drugs Act. The rehab centers that still are existing today, many of mm. them were set mm. up during this time. Mm. So it was a moment where people were really afraid of drugs and people were talking about it a lot. I imagine this is really what started to craft the language, no? if not mantras, about drugs. Mantras, definitely, Lobby. Yung mga mantras like, save the user, jail the pusher, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. ERAP, so in 1972, there was a film entitled Kill the Pushers. Starring Joseph Estrada, and it won the FAMAS Award. Chaka, that was actually cornerstone to the larger brand of Era Para Sa Mahirap. Diba? It wasn't just, na, you know, Era Para Sa Mahirap, therefore here are my economic platforms. Era Para Sa Mahirap was also built around basically the image of the tough guy against crime. And in this case, yes, yes. that's something that a lot of people don't remember and they're not aware of. That was literally the title of his film, Kill the Pushers. And President Marcos Sr., at that time, he authorized the execution, the killing of an actual drug lord at that time, mm-hmm. Si Lim Seng, mm-hmm. January 1973. Mm-hmm. And that same week was the week that he was having his constitution ratified by the people. Or ratified by the village officials, at least, uh, voting on behalf of the people. But the point is that it had to be timed alongside the, the very high-profile execution of this drug lord, the only one mm. who was executed by firing squad throughout the whole dictatorship. And so I guess what we're saying is that over all these governments, all these decades and perhaps even century, beyond the rhetoric, we have, in fact, already imbibed these messages and ways of thinking. Our culture, our religions, our ways of parenting, our own sense of values reflect a deep acceptance and mirroring of the message that not only are drugs problematic, but people who use them are dangerous and evil. We recoil at Duterte being dangerously simplistic, but notice how so many around us, parents, titos and titas, neighbors, quickly default to this vision of an addict when they talk about someone who uses drugs. These wars on drugs, in other words, would not be populist if they were not in fact popular. But they're popular precisely because we had already been bombarded with the premise long ago. And we're not just talking about government propaganda or politicians' populism. Problemado ka, kaya susubo ka. 
The signaling has been everywhere and part of our upbringing since we were young. Ang dapat ang ginagawa po nila ay hulihin na at tapusin na yung mga drug dealers. At tayo naman po mga civilian para uh, ubiksin na po yung trabaho nila eh wag na po yung mandatory, magvoluntary na po kayo. Think of how drugs and addiction were taught in your school. How your relatives would discuss a family member in hushed tones. Hindi mo naman siya kailangan subukan para malaman kung masama ba siya talaga. Ang dami ng nasirang buhay dahil to. How your neighbors would gossip. Then recall the public service ads of your youth. Sa akin, wala talagang magandang maidudulot yun. Or even today, the first time you saw people who use drugs portrayed as villains in movies. And something not many people immediately think of, the church itself, which had fed the simplistic notions of what people who use drugs are and can only be. Nasana nga ay maibalik yung death penalty. I'm a very strong drug advocate, and karamihan sa mga problema natin talagang drug-related yung mga causes nila. So para sa akin, tama yung Speaking of the Church as early as 1972, the Catholic Bishops' Conference of the Philippines was saying in its pastoral letters, quote, A country whose youths are mental and physical wrecks will be hopelessly doomed. And then a 1988 Supreme Court decision equates drug addicts with the living dead. In fairness to the Church, since 2016, they've been emphasizing the language of redemption and compassion. But all of these... Narratives. All of these statements show us that Duterte was not an isolated phenomenon. It's a particularly gory episode, the most reckless, unbridled. But Filipinos, because of all these sectors, have long held such views towards drugs. Hitler massacred three million Jews. Now there is three million. There's a three million drug addict. There are. I'd be happy to slaughter them. Ang kawawa nito is. They are slaves. Mabuti pa ang slave kasi kung mabili mo sa African market, magamit mo pa sa trabaho mo. Ito, they are slaves eternally to a chemical sponsored by a criminal. Duterte's drug war was not an exception. It was a culmination of the expressions of a common simplistic paradigm. Drugs equals crime, equals evil, Because anything goes. And to be a drug user is to be weak. A drug user can only be an addict. And to be an addict means that drugs is the most important thing in the world to you. This evil thing is more important than life, family, work. Kung addict ka, ginudyos mo ang drugs mismo. Kaya lang, eto yung alam natin. Hindi totoo na ang gumagamit addict. At hindi totoo na lahat ng gumagamit, gumagamit for the sake of getting high. We have research, we have data that our leaders refuse or still cannot face. Maraming gumagamit with good intentions, for valid reasons. It may not be wise, and we may be rightfully concerned about harms and risks, and they may even know it themselves. But their motives cannot be assailed. Okay, this is the other unfortunate thing that All of this language and policies framed a justification for, as we said, the loosening of rules and really a breakdown in law and order and a dismissal of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. 
we appreciate it from the perspective of the instant justice. What we don't see is what it does to how we frame people. Yes, we miss out the exclusion. People are stigmatized. Families are stigmatized. People are not talking about the harms of not so much of the drugs themselves, but of drug policies. And the moment you define drug use itself as a crime, then it becomes a circular reasoning. Dahil nga may conflation or pinagsasama na yung paggamit ng drugs sa kriminalidad. My research has been showing us that there's a lot of conflation talaga. So hindi lang addict at saka user, but also terms like drug offender, drug abuser. Ang dami mga terms na ginagamit and they all refer to the same people. But there's much heterogeneity of people mm-hmm. who use yeah. drugs. There are people mm-hmm. who use drugs to stay awake. Yung mga na-interview ko dati, na mga driver, mga pahinante ng truck, mga tricycle driver na kailangan magising sa gabi and hindi silang pwede makatulog. So they turn to shabu, not to kill, but to stay awake. They mm-hmm. resort to shabu in the same way that we, many of us, resort to a drug called caffeine to also stay awake and stay alert throughout the day. I remember one of the widowed mothers who spoke to us in one of the first episodes of season one of Tokhang sa Tokhang. Opo, nag, oh, sabihin na natin yung nag-addict siya, pero yun sa kanya, pang ano lang yun, yung kumbaga kasi tricycle driver siya nun. Eh. Kumbaga, sabihin nila, pang pagising ng kalamnan. Kasi syempre, puyat, mag, maghapon, magdamag, 24 hours nung uh, nag-drive yun. Pagka hindi niya talaga kaya yung antok niya, yun, gumagamit siya. Oo. Oo. Aminado naman siya sa akin eh. Sabi niya, ma, ano, gagamit ako, ganyan. Sabi ko, bahala ka. In the next episode, Gideon, let's discuss this further. Sinong mga yan? At bakit maraming mina nating mabubuting tao na gumagamit ng droga? At bakit hindi natin ganong kadaling kayang sabihin yun? Maraming mabubuting tao gumagamit ng droga. So samahan nyo pa rin po kami sa usapang yan. Sa susunod na episode. And please do invite your friends. Pakishare na rin itong episode end ng seasons 1 and 2 so far of Tukhang sa Tukhang. Ako po si Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast. At ako po si Gideon Lasco. Insights here were taken from the Drugs and Philippine Society edited volume and was published by Ateneo de Manila Press. Additional research by Trisha Aquino and Bella Perez Rubio. This episode was edited by Mark Casillian. Sound design by Nina Toralba. Find Tukhang sa Tukhang and follow Puma Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or kung saan man kayo pumapodcast. Maraming salamat po. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.